You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. We live. Hornets are still alive, barely, but they are still alive. Hornets get the win over the Cavs last night. They don't get any help from the Detroit Pistons or the Memphis Grizzlies, for that matter. The Pistons, they also win against Memphis. All the Pistons have to do is beat the Knicks to clinch a playoff spot, and the Hornets will need to win tonight against the Magic and hope the Knicks find a way to win. I know Matt from the Action Network tweeted out, imagine being a Hornets fan tonight and having all of your hopes fall on whether the Knicks can win a basketball game this season. So I did Can you this, imagine those people? I can't. I did this for the Memphis Grizzlies, so I should do this for the New York Knicks as well. Read the game notes and just reel off the starting lineup. Man, the Knicks need to update their game notes. They haven't even updated it in a few games. I think that <laughs> tells care. you no, that tells you something <laughs> right there. But this is the this was this would be the game notes for their game against the Chicago Bulls, I guess back uh, last week. Anyway, here are the starters. Damian Dotson. Mario Hazonia, Mitchell Robinson, Kevin Knox, and Luke Cornett. Ooh, Cornett, the Hornet killer. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure he will be. I'm sure he'll find a way to kill the Hornets tonight and not even play against them. Mitchell Robinson was a lot of fun. I actually caught the Knicks coming over here to the Spectrum Center, and that was a lot of fun to see Mitchell Robinson play. There's a lot of good young players. No, I shouldn't say a lot of good. I'm sorry. A couple of yeah. good. Ooh, uh, easy. Ooh, sorry. A couple of good young pieces. Uh, Mitchell Robinson's awesome. It was the only guy that James Dolan, when he went on with Francesa, or not Francesa, he went on on 97.5 up in New York. And it was him having to put on his glasses and look at the roster just to be able to name any names off the top of his dome. And Mitchell Robinson, when he came across that name, oh, Mitchell Robinson, oh, he's great. How about him? And he was a a second rounder. (laughs) He was great. (laughs) If James Dolan knows the name of you on his own basketball team, then you know you've got to be really good. But that's, that's our hope. It's Mitchell Robinson going up against Andre Drummond tonight. Mitchell Robinson, please deliver us a win so the Hornets can go marching on into the playoff dance. And so now you look at the Cavaliers' win last night. It was good to see the Hornets actually take care of business. Little close at at the beginning. Hornets were pretty much in control the whole time. And then in the second half, it was nice to see them stop on the Cavaliers. Kemba Walker putting a bow on his All-NBA third-team resume. There's a legit shot that he gets that. And again, as we mentioned yesterday, Conference Player of the Week, he was awarded Eastern Conference Player of the Week. That might get him an All-NBA selection when you look at what have you done for me lately. So Kimball Walker certainly in the running there. Dwayne Bacon continues to be awesome. 7 of 11 for 18 points. I think it was 14 in the first half, if I'm not mistaken. Goes 4 of 5 from 3 in the first half. Only took a couple more and missed them both. But he was a good guy that you could depend on to score the basketball for you. Doug, I've noticed two things, even not even just about his play out there on the court. There's been a couple times now where Ashley Shamity has interviewed Dwayne Bacon before they go into the second half. And each of those times, I've been impressed with the way that he's handled it. And even Kimball Walker will go into the half with an interview with Ashley Shamity or whatever player, whatever veteran that they choose. They won't be as adamant about what they need to do in the second half to make sure that one, they're still playing well or what they need to do better in order to play well. And Dwayne Bacon gave us 
at the station, right? So working on um, a couple of rookie interviews with Malik Monk and Dwayne Bacon when they were drafted over at 7.30 the game. Dwayne Bacon gave us an all-time bad interview. Devontae Graham was really bad as well. It's what you get with rookies. You get them all the time with the Panthers. I'll tell you who was the worst of all time, Vernon Butler. Worst interview of all time, at least player-wise that I can think of, at 7.30 the game. That interview was butt. It was awful. Dwayne Bacon was not good. Dwayne Bacon was really bad. And hearing him speak now, Dwayne Bacon is the most confident in telling you this is what we as a team need to do better. At least even veterans that go over there. And I've been so impressed with him, just the way that he sees the game, the way that he articulates it, at least to us during some of those interviews. And of course, the on play, uh, the on court play, it really helps as well when you give me 18 points. I've just been impressed with the way that he's handled all of this. And it's not as if a lot of these rookies are not used to media coverage. A lot of them play for high profile schools and have played deep into into the tournament so they've had interactions with local media and national media I, I think they do it on purpose I think as as a rookie you don't want to upstage a veteran you don't want to pretend like you know something that someone else doesn't especially if you're Dwayne Bacon and you weren't drafted in the first round I mean you got to earn your stripes a little bit and I just think you're seeing a guy that is growing in confidence something has finally started to click he's over the frustrations that haunted him over his first couple of seasons and now he's ready to take that leap and and I don't think he he feels the need necessarily to prove that via the media but you know he has a lot to say and he's going to say it oh sure I don't think that he's trying to send a message to us saying yeah here I am now this is who I am I am the guy that knows exactly what this team needs to do I just think he is genuinely confident in what he thinks the team needs to do to continue to play well or do better in the second half and it's been impressive to well, me. he knows it's play him that's 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 the key <laughs> play me continue to play me I'm the man that you need to play and we're going to win basketball games Nick Batum not that guy two field goal attempts in 31 minutes plus for Nick Batum in the last couple of games that he's had you know Nick Batum we had a nice little ride after the all-star break where it was the last half of February, first half of March, he was giving you double-digit field goal attempts. He was hitting at a decent percentage, a good field goal percentage, a good three-point percentage. And then he got sick, and Dwayne Bacon started to get implemented back in the lineup. And you see, when other people are scoring or taking some field goal attempts, Nick Batum gets so passive, and not even passive in a way that allows him to get assists, because he's not getting assists a whole lot. I looked up some per 36-minute stats before we came in here today, and I I looked at Nick Batum's Doing assist work. rate per 36 minutes. Nick Batum is only averaging a, a, a little north of three and a half assists per 36 minutes this season. Oh, that's that's the thing that is supposed to save Nick Batum. That's the thing that's supposed to save why he's important. And I don't know. I certainly haven't been a Nick Batum defender here. I, there's been some good stretches of defense from him. I did think he played pretty well again the second half of February and the first half of March. But when you look at the assist rate that far down, you know Malik Monk is barely behind Nick Batum in the assist rate per 36 minutes. And you know now you're just not a part of the offense. Anytime you get somebody that is a little dominant with the ball, Nick just not only does he get a little bit, uh, not only does his field goal attempts drop a little bit, they completely wipe off the face of the planet. And this is what's happened here, I think, when Dwayne Bacon has been somebody that's been aggressive. And you wonder, I think with all the money that he's getting, would he, you know, I don't think that Nick Batum is the kind of player that can just turn it on and off. That could go over two field goal attempts 
for several games and then all of a sudden be efficient from the field, shooting 11 or 12 field goal field goal attempts. And here we go again, Nick Batum playing the small forward position alongside a shooting guard in Dwayne Bacon that's acting a lot like Jeremy Lamb did uh, early uh, in the sure. season, and he he fades away. And and when Nick Batum had a little bit of a resurgence, again, the, the half months that I'm discussing, it was when Jeremy Lamb was moved to the second unit. And I think it's fair to question, why do we have to make sure that we're maneuvering everything that we possibly can in order to help out Nick Batum? You know, I think that's fair to question. Yeah, why are we? I mean, now it might be better for the team in some regards, but here Nick Batum just needs to find a way to contribute even when he doesn't have the ball in his hands and he's the guy that needs to be aggressive. Well, if you're looking at this roster and you're getting the same, if not more, amount of production uh, from Dwayne Bacon and from Jeremy Lamb than you are for Nick Batum and Batum makes $25 million, like that doesn't make any sense. Two worst plays last night against the Cavaliers. One involved Frank Kaminsky, one involved Malik Monk. Frank Kaminsky will go to first because it was somewhat harmless. It just looked <laughs> the worst of all time. And that's Frank Kaminsky was thrown somewhat of a, a half lob attempt by Malik Monk. It was a good pass. It's just not the type of guy you should throw that pass to. It was a really good idea. Frank Kaminsky you know, fumbles over himself. It's like a baby giraffe learning how to walk can't find a way to grab onto the basketball and it reminds me of shaggy having the feet going right before he runs away from a ghost that he sees in scooby-doo can't quite get the grip zoinks on the feet of the floor and then he falls down and that was it it felt like a 15 second process of frank kaminsky trying to grab that basketball and eventually just falling flat on his face that was the worst play just as far as how it looked to us what really was the worst play it involved malik monk And Malik Monk, it was about to be the end of the half, I believe. Malik Monk. This was end of uh, the third quarter. End of the third quarter. Thank you. End of the third quarter. They come down. Malik Monk, he tries to defend Nick Stauskas. Is is that first or is the shot first? Well, he couldn't defend Nick Stauskas for the entire quarter. Notice I said try. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he he wasn't guarding. He he gets blown by. I mean, that's the thing. He can't keep guys in front of him, including Nick Stauskas, who I, I think even your below average to average defender should be able to deal with well and Nick Stauskas I had even a problem where Nick Stauskas faked him out of his shoes Malik Mm -hmm. just comes swiping almost goes out of the court of play and Nick Stauskas he hits a three-pointer what I'm talking about I forget if it was back to back but he also there was a a very good situation for the Hornets to have a a two-for-one opportunity Mm -hmm. Malik Monk goes down the court sees the green light not from anybody else, but his own mind yeah. lets it fly, and Cleveland's able to get the rebound. I think at about 34 seconds left, and Malik Monk. Well, there was, uh, I think, so at the end of the third quarter, they did have an opportunity for a two for one, and I think Devonte Graham threw up a shot and kind of was not a great two for one opportunity, and then they they got a miss from the Cavs. Malik Monk, they they throw it to him. He has a wide open transition look. But there's only seven or eight seconds left. So if you're Malik Monk, you have to hold on to that basketball and just take the last opportunity to shoot the ball. And then he misses the wide open transition look. And Cleveland uh, goes back down and has another shot. And even even Del Curry, who is very, I think, reticent to you know critique anyone on the Charlotte Hornets, was saying, Malik, you got to hold on to that ball. So Devontae Graham for the two for one. Malik at the end of the quarter where he did pull a quick trigger because 
you saw that there was just a couple of mistakes by the young guys there and perhaps I was mistaken Devontae Graham and Malik Monk for those for those instances but Malik Monk again showed you I, I watch him on defense I, I will solely pick him out just to see if there's any progress I don't think it's lack of effort at all I think Malik Monk is trying I just think the dude generally just can't get right and I'll say on offense, too, I, I think he looks like hyper-focused. He doesn't look like he's playing within the flow of the offense. You'll see him standing, just waiting in the corner a lot, moving where he needs to move, but it just it just looks very like he's ultra-focused and not not in a way that, that allows him to, to play well or to be fluid within the offense. Doug, you have here on the rundown that we look at, what does Malik Monk do for you I don't that know. someone else on this roster can? I don't know. I, I know it's a question that I asked to David Walker uh, last night while we were watching the game. Like, I don't know what Malik does well on this team that you're not getting from some of the other young guys. Devontae Graham is giving you great sort of court management, ball movement, and and on ball play too. Uh, you've got Dwayne Bacon now hitting three-point shots consistently. He's not a streaky shooter. I mean, he's doing it night in, night out, and he can drive to the rim and take contact and finish. I just don't. I don't what what is Malik Monk's role that would like lock him into this roster and make him unmovable? I don't see it. Well, I, I don't think that he's unmovable. I don't think that you're arguing Malik Monk is playing better right now than Dwayne Bacon or Devontae Graham even at this point when considering the young guys. Yesterday, I, I do think that Malik Monk has shown better decision making, and I think that's been fairly easy to see, at least in my eyes. He had four assists yesterday, only one turnover. I do think that while you mention he is and seems to be hyper-focused, I do like some of the decisions that he makes. Now, again, we just talked about a bad decision where he does take that quick trigger when they could have held for the last shot. I guess I just mean more so passing and making the right read on some things. I thought that he was a good passer. And you know me, I think Malik Monk, that was one of the more underrated skills that he had coming out of college. I think the decision-making was a problem. I think he has gotten better at that. And so I'm not going to argue that he's... Dwayne Bacon has been awesome. I am so here for Dwayne Bacon to be a guy that you can depend on going for the future miles bridges certainly so as well and you know i love Devonte or Devonte graham i think he's been very good as a second round selection even though some efficiency is not there not been a good three-point shooter not been a good guy that even scores from inside the three-point line i just think that there are times where malik monk has the ability to play make a little bit better than some of the younger younger guys and i think you saw glimpses of that against cleveland we saw some athleticism from him he doesn't bring more athleticism than miles I mean, miles is a freak he was in the dunk contest for a reason but remember we were talking about it even then like is that a sneaky dunk contest play there's just still some things that Malik Monk I think can do to where I'm not trading him for pennies on the dollar I've mentioned that a couple of times but you're right you can't say that he is the best young prospect on this team right now. There's no way, despite him being the number 11 overall pick for the Charlotte Hornets just a couple of years ago. Find the show handle on most social media platforms at Locked on Hornets. Find myself on Twitter at Walker Mail. Doug on Twitter at Doug Branson, LOH. We'll take a quick break and come back with more on the potential playoff spot that the Hornets are going after right now. It's Locked on Hornets on the Locked on Podcast Network. This is Locked on Hornets. And just that I showed any kind of vulnerability, well, you, yeah, you I just, think not is just going to jump You are the over. gazelle limping through the African <laughs> safari. I'm in the mud. Yeah. I'm in I'm in some sticky yeah, mud. You are the hippo stuck in the mud. <laughs> yes, yes. And I'm about to just get destroyed by Nas, or by Nada's <laughs> By Nas. By Nas. <laughs> He's going to come out with me a rap battle. <laughs> it's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. 
The play of the young guys has been really good, and it's been plentiful. I mean, even from a Malik Monk who has not played as well as the other young guys, he got over 20 minutes last night. And the question now, let's say that the Hornets actually do find a way to pull this off. Let's say they go against their old ball coach and Steve Clifford. They beat the Orlando Magic and the New York Knicks somehow find a way under Fizz to beat the Detroit Pistons and spoil their opportunity to get to the postseason. Let's say all of that happens and the Hornets are playing in the postseason. Do you go to a Tony Parker and put him back into the lineup and give him 17, 18 minutes? Do you go back to Marvin Williams, who would be probably taking some minutes away from Miles Bridges to some degree, you know, whether that goes down the chain or not, and Frank Kaminsky as well. Now, do you do that with a couple of the veterans? I don't think you're doing that with Nick Batum. I think people would be fine with not playing Nick Batum as much. But as Marvin Williams and Tony Parker are both of those guys that you would like to see get some real playoff minutes if they do indeed make the postseason. Yeah, or even MKG. I'm no on Tony. Sure. I'm I'm no on Tony Parker because I don't know what good it does to play him at this point for the future of your franchise. Why not? I mean, Devontae Graham has been more than fine at that backup point guard position. Which is Let a good him question. Do you want to win as many games as possible in this postseason? Well, or listen, do you want to give experience more to the young guy? Do you want to be realistic and understand that you're going up against the best team in the Eastern Conference and the best player in the NBA and just understand that this is about the future and not about winning a playoff series? It, 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 not a series. The question still remains. I think that's a legitimate question. Do you care about winning two rather than getting swept? Because Tony Parker is better than Devontae Graham. As much as I love Devontae, you can look at his numbers. They're not good. I'm glad he's getting the experience, but he's it's, it's not been very good. Tony Parker would be better, and I think he would give you a better shot at winning basketball games. So do you care about winning one or two rather than getting swept? Because if we're asking who is the better player right now, I'm putting Tony Parker in the game. But if you're asking... Well, I would really like to give this younger guy some playoff experience. I hear you on that. Hey, player development. That Those were the buzzwords around James Borrego when they made the hire, and I think you still have to focus on that in a series where you you just have zero shot. I mean, you have zero shot of, of pulling off a miracle. Now, you know, Is there any other thing to your body that we can do that you want to put on the line here that the Hornets, if they make the postseason, you'd be willing to bet they don't beat the Bucs? Yeah, I'll get a tattoo of Richard Nixon on my back. <laughs> um, I'll get a tattoo of Steve Clifford on my ass. <laughs> I'll take um, I might do that for free. Uh, so, no, I mean, you, you just have to focus on player development. Now, I will say that you know, I could definitely see a scenario where they forget all that and, you know, you get into this mindset of, no, I'm an NBA coach. This this is the NBA playoffs and we have to, you know, we have to go out there and be the Golden State Warriors from uh, all well, back of your and we believe and we can do this. And even how do you feel when the Hornets are, you know, up five, down five with three minutes left to go in the fourth quarter and Devontae Graham is out there with Kimba. How do you feel at that moment? Are you changing your mind and saying, oh, screw it, put Tony Parker back in. I want to win this damn game. I could easily see that from any fan watching the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah, I, I would yeah, do it. Yeah, yeah, I'd do 100%. That way, yeah. No doubt. No, you're right. I'm glad we settled on that. Marvin Williams, MKG. Or how much are you putting those guys in? If Marvin Williams is healthy enough to go, we've heard that, you know, he has really been dealing with some serious injuries and not feeling, you know, he's been active but not feeling healthy enough to really contribute in a major way. But if he did get to that place, I think he would be, I think both him and MKG, you could find some minutes for those guys. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm definitely I'm definitely out on Tony Parker for the rest of these playoffs. 
Can we go back for a second, though, to that Pistons-Grizzlies game? Yes, uh, we can. For, what would you like to talk about? Well, because I'm, I'm looking, I'm like, I was catching up on this game. And for those uh, few of you that didn't pay close attention to that barn burner that Well, they was, didn't give you that option, Doug. I mean, how many cutaways did we have to Jerome Jurenovich and poorly executed <laughs> cutaways did we have, by the way? Right, the updates. Like, well, that was unbelievable. Is, hey, is this hey, happening? We're, we're two minutes into the game and the Grizzlies are up. Oh, now it's 20 points, and I understand you got to go because it matters a ton to the Hornets getting to the postseason. Just, man, how many? Oh, we probably had like 15 cutaways in that game. At least it felt like it. I mean, it's a, you know, it's an important thing. The Pistons lose that game, and, and the Hornets suddenly have a grumpy, shot. grumpy, man. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, they're, they're trying. They were hoping that the Grizzlies were going to pull this thing out and drum up interest for tonight's game against Orlando or more interest than there already is. But so this thing actually looked good for the Hornets halfway through. The Grizz went up in the half, up 19, but the Pistons stormed back from a fourth quarter deficit led by, listen to these names, Walker, Ish Smith and Luke Kennard. Yeah. Luke Kennard was drafted before a certain player, or after a certain player, I should say. Before Donovan Mitchell, after another certain player. His name is Malik Monk. Yeah. So you, Directly you, right after. Basically, if, if the Pistons take care of business against the Knicks or – they don't, and the Hornets drop one to the former coach and the Orlando Magic, all of a sudden you're looking at having your playoff hopes dashed by a player from Charlotte in Ish Smith and Luke Kennard, who you didn't draft in favor of Malik Monk, a guy that's struggling still to stay within the rotation. Would anything be more Hornets-like than having the glimmer of hope snatched away <laughs> by Luke Kennard? The Hornets' playoff hopes may go down at the very last second because of a player who is from Charlotte and Ish Smith and another who the Hornets passed up in the draft in order to take Malik Monk. And of course, after Luke Kennard, it's Donovan Mitchell. But I'm sure everybody remembers that. There has been a lot of talk of the most Hornets thing ever a lot this season. And there's been a, a ton of things that you could point to. That's the most Hornets thing ever. But the Hornets losing to the Cavs to kill their playoff dream, that would have been it. They beat the Cavs. Now this might be the new leader in the clubhouse. And listen, if the Hornets do get eliminated, even after they beat the Magic tonight, if the Pistons, you know, they they do what they should do, which is beat a miserable New York Knicks team without most of their talent available, I, I don't think we should cry for the Hornets. I don't think we should be disappointed with uh, the the NBA for not allowing the Hornets to to get into the playoffs because the only reason <laughs> it's Silver's fault. No, the only reason this is happening now is because things clicked for a few young guys way too late, and the veterans on this team weren't, you know, done with Clifford. They were just done. I mean, you're just they, they did not get contributions from Cody Zeller, Marvin Williams, Nick Batum, MKG, the kind of contributions they needed, the kind of growth they needed. I mean, Marvin's done growing. He is what he is. He's actually sort of doing the opposite. But MKG, not developing a shot. Cody Zeller, not staying healthy. Nick Batum, not taking more of an aggressive role on offense. All of these things combined to mean that the, the young players had to grow up quickly, and they didn't. Dell tried to warn us, by the way, not to get so happy that the Grizzlies were up 20 points because he did point out, correctly so, that the Hornets were up on the Pistons about 20 points before they came back and made that a real ball game. And, by the way, we got some irritated Eric Collins sound, which you never get irritated Eric Collins sound. They tried to do another cutaway, surprise, and they couldn't do so. So they tried it, they failed, they come back, and Eric Collins just has to be the professional that he is and kind of play it off. Then they try it immediately after. There still is a silence. They don't go to Jerome Jurinovich, and what you hear 
is Eric Collins say, what are we doing? Uh And we never hear that type of tone from Eric Collins. He's always extremely happy. I thought that was funny to get Eric Collins upset, by the way. Also, just to point out, if there was going to be a head coach I would get tattooed on my ass, it would be Steve Clifford. How about him, man? That Orlando Magic roster, getting them to the playoffs after every... there. There's a lot of people that don't like to admit right now they were completely out on the Steve Clifford train. Not because it was best for both parties to part way that it had just run its course, but they were legitimately questioning whether Steve Clifford was a good head coach. They're not so loud right now. And oh. they were absolutely crazy loud at the end of the season last year. Oh, and listen, just to let you know, Steve Clifford basically took the same formula that he used to bring the Charlotte Bobcats turned Hornets out of the basement of defensive play up to the top of the league. He did the same thing in Orlando. He's got this team playing incredible defense after being near the bottom of the league for the past couple of seasons, and he's doing it with that same formula. Drop the center, challenge your guards to, to go out there and, and you know recover back to shooters, and Orlando is doing it. Charlotte stopped doing it, and that's why they struggled defensively in that last year under Clifford, but the Magic have been the best team post-All-Star break, one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference, and uh, you know, a lot of it you have to attribute to Clifford, and, and certainly a lot of these people who study basketball are doing the same thing. Real quickly before we go to break, I used to think having an identity was overrated. I used to think that's something people would just point out because it was something that a team does well and they can always go to that. I always thought that was overrated. I thought maybe even having multiple identities was good. I, I didn't buy into it a lot. I think over the last couple of seasons, I absolutely have bought into, you know what? I was wrong on that. I was flat out wrong. It's good to have an identity because when all else goes wrong, you can rely on something that you know you're good at. And under the Hornets, what is the Hornets identity? You know, I, I don't know if I know what James Borrego has installed as the identity. And he's messed with the rotation quite a bit. I, Steve Clifford, he's going to give you that. Like, go go to a lot of the different good teams that you have out there. You know, even the Rockets. You know, or the Rockets. We know they're going to throw up a ton of baskets. They're gonna they're gonna hopefully you know outscore you no matter what. That's something they're good at. You know, go to any team. Rockets just at the top of the dome, but you know a lot of the good teams. They know what they're going to be able to rely on. I don't know what the Hornets. You're like, you know what? Kimba's very good. That's what you have to rely yeah, on. That's it. Just as. I mean, what is the game plan you constantly rely on? And I think that's fair to judge of James Borrego and this new staff. It's No, that's, that is the game plan, is that we're going to punish you with Kemba Walker pick and rolls. And I will say lately, the Hornets have been a lot better getting Kemba Walker open. Biombo, to his credit, has been an incredible screen setter. Frank Kaminsky, you don't often give him credit for setting screens. It's something I think he struggled with a lot early in his NBA career. And I saw him a few times in that Cavaliers game open things up for Kimball Walker, and it certainly improved or or given you a reason to keep Frank Kaminsky out on the floor more is that he's getting physical on some of these screens and opening up Kimball Walker. But that's really their only identity. And, and I will say, I think that the big mistake that Borrego made was starting – Jeremy Lamb at the beginning of the season that 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 tinker at the very beginning of the season I think hurt Nick Batum and hurt the whole sort of chemistry of that Charlotte Hornets starting lineup and I don't and that, even hate him for that like that's not even the number one I'm with you but I, I don't care about the tinkering because if if you don't if you don't mess around with the lineup a lot, we're prob- we probably don't get this Bacon Graham Miles Bridges development that we've seen this season. 
you know, it just it came at the expense of a of a playoff spot, but I'm not sure they would have gotten that either way. We're coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do, and that's make more sales. We got some more news around the NBA. Also, we'll continue to look at a potential playoff spot for the Hornets. It's a, it's the Locked On Hornets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Locked on Hornets. And I, I have plenty of hurricane snacks. Went out and bought some Chex Mix. <laughs> yeah. Which What kind of Chex Mix? This savory, it was a savory Chex Mix. There's you're a, an, a lot you're, of cheese going on in that Chex oh, Mix. You're an expert on Chex Mix, correct, right? Well, I, trail I'm, mix. I'm very particular about my trail mix. I'm what not as particular, particular about, about my Chex, Chex Mix. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Some per- perhaps some good news coming out from the Orlando Magic, not for them, but at least for the Hornets. The Hornets might catch another break, not because of injury per se, but the Magic have added Nikola Vucevic. To Vucevic. Th- Vucevic. This is something that we struggled with at the beginning of the podcast's <laughs> history, at least with me in it. And I've heard his last name pronounced a million different ways. I think that's fair. But there's two CHs here. Nikola Vucevic to their injury report for tonight's game, listing him as questionable due to a stomach virus. So we'll get back to the mispronunciation. But that is huge because he has been amazing this season. He's been all, I mean, he was an all-star, right? He was an all-star. I think uh, I think Zach Lowe, I read his piece today, and he had all of his awards that he gave out. And he mentioned, if you were to give all the, the bigger name guys who improved the most, which borderline stars improved the most, Vucevic would be the guy now let's go back to the mispronunciation so the pronunciation guide for the Orlando Magic I asked Doug to pull that up because at the beginning we can all remember the Turkoglu incident we I I have mispronounced some names here at the beginning (laughs) and it was it's because there's so many (laughs) you like that and so we can go to a guy like a Vucevic, I've heard it called Nikola Vucevic. I've heard that. Yeah, it's Vuce, Vucevic. Vucevic, Vucevic, but it's Vuce, and we're going Vucevic here. Vuce. But also we found out that everybody, basically, had been mispronouncing the shooting coach for the Charlotte Hornets all those years and his last name right. Yeah, so Clifford took this guy. We've been pronouncing it wrong. We've, we've been pronouncing it wrong, that's right, because I'd said Kreitzer, Kretzer. And, and so you've given us a couple of different And, and here's the thing. I... I have asked members of the staff how to pronounce the guy's name, and I guarantee you I have never heard this pronunciation that I'm about to tell you right now. Uh, it's Bruce Kreutzer, which phonetically, according to this pronunciation guy. Phonetically, it looks right if you were to pronounce it Kreutzer. Kreutzer. It, it seems like that would be a possible pronunciation. I feel like Kreutzer is what, that, well, that's I always what I've always ro- That's what I've always rolled with. But I've heard so many things, and I tried them out on this podcast and got lambasted for it. So that's I'm not what, gonna, That's what I'm here for. <laughs> I know it is. 
I know take it you is. down a notch, Pod Diva. <laughs> well, you've taken me down plenty of notches here in my time with the Locked On Hornets podcast. Other thing with the Orlando Magic, just looking at what they've got on the roster real quickly. Uh, it, Terrence Ross has had a very good season for them. The thirty-eight percent shooting percentage from the outside. You know, maybe watch out for him in the second unit tonight. He has been good um, again with Vooch. He's been a, a great. He's been a great player this season. Been an All Star, and again, just giving credit to Zach Lowe reading his article he mentioned how Steve Clifford kind of made him a focal point so on on the offense he's he's made the offense kind of roll through him quite a bit and I don't know if that had happened before Steve Clifford and so they really focused on him and so that's something that you need to watch out for if he's able to go and if not then that helps out the Charles Hornets in a big big way yeah Orlando's got something to play for they still could uh, rise up in in seeding. They're basically playing for six or seven, so they could avoid a matchup with the Toronto Raptors. I I would have to be more well versed on Orlando Magic basketball to tell you if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But listen to Locked On Magic if you want to hear more about that. But they have something to play for. So if Vooch can play, I expect Vucevic to get in there but no Jonathan Isaac because he's in the concussion protocol yeah I was going to say no Jonathan Isaac tonight as well and that's somebody that has been improving quite a bit this season under the tutelage of Steve Clifford so we'll see if the Orlando Magic are able to stomp on the Hornets playoff hopes tonight and listen Clifford knows the Hornets plan of attack I mean it's it, we just talked about it it's a simple plan of attack just beat the hell out of him with Kimba Walker <laughs> so you know Clifford's going to throw the defensive sink at preventing Kimba Walker from shooting threes and preventing preventing uh, B- Dwayne Bacon from getting to the rim because Clifford was a big Dwayne Bacon fan. And, he started and, him when Nick Batum couldn't go at the beginning of Dwayne Bacon's career. I mean, Clifford said that Dwayne Bacon had a chance to be a good starter in this league, so I expect th- I expect him to try to neutralize his ability to get to the basket as well. All right, thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcast. Just search Locked On Hornets. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Hopefully, we got a playoff berth to talk about playoffs baby